First of all, Merry Christmas. It's wonderful to see you all here tonight in this beautiful space. We're so blessed to call St. Mary's home. It's a wonderful place all throughout the year, but especially at these times, such as Christmas, when it's just unbelievably beautiful. It's like being transported to another world. And in a way, that's what we're all about with our liturgy. There's a fancy Greek term called anamnesis, and that term means that we are re-remembering. We're not just telling a story or a tall tale or imagining what it was like. In our prayers and in our liturgy and in hearing the word of God, we are actually going back to Bethlehem. And in our service of Holy Communion, we are actually with Jesus at the Last Supper. And we are actually present with him in the Holy Eucharist, in the species of the bread and the wine. And he becomes a part of us in that Holy Communion. And that's what that communion really means. Communion one with another and with Jesus Christ. And we're all familiar with the beautiful story that I just read to you from the Gospel of St. Luke, Luke chapter 2, about the Holy Family. And, you know, this time of year is a time when we focus on our families, and many of us have traveled uh, pretty far to be with our loved ones. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the story of the birth of Christ uh, resonates with us today, because we can imagine being in all of that hustle and bustle and the, the busy roads and trying to find a room at the inn and there being no vacancy and you know how it goes. And so how interesting is it that at this time when we are so focused on home and family and togetherness and familiarity, that the whole way it came about was a scene that was completely different from that. It was a scene of unfamiliarity, of being away from your loved ones and away from your family and in a strange place. You know, everybody had to participate in the taxation or the census or whatever you want to call it, depending on the uh, uh, translation of the Bible that you read. And so the roads were crowded, the inns were full, and Joseph was just following the law that he had to follow under the Roman Empire. And he made his way to Bethlehem with his fiancée, Mary, who was, as we heard, great with child. So as if it wasn't bad enough that they had to get up and do this thing, she was very pregnant, and I'm sure very uncomfortable. And I'm sure the way there was... Uh, treacherous and probably difficult. We see scenes of her riding on a donkey. Perhaps she did. And then when they get there to this town, I mean, it's Joseph's sort of ancestral home, but it's not where they lived. And so perhaps they were unfamiliar with it. You know, people didn't travel too far from where they lived at that time period. And, of course, we know the story that when they get there, all the inns are full. And so they have to find some place for shelter. And tradition has it that they went to a stable. Now, some people argue whether it was a stable or some sort of um, agrarian home that had was sort of a combination barn and living space for human beings. That's really splitting hairs, if you ask me. The point is that they were not home. They were not comfortable. They were not safe. 
the child Jesus had a lot of challenges stacked against him from the very beginning. This journey, the fact that he was born in not the best uh, hygienic circumstances. And then, of course, Herod finds out about him and wants to kill him and forces the Holy Family to become refugees, taking, uh, fleeing into Egypt to take refuge there. But we know the story. We know that Herod does not prevail and that Jesus grows in grace and in stature and even at a young age amazes the people around him, the wise men, when he is found to be teaching in the synagogue at maybe the age of around 12. And that's that wonderful story where he's separated from his parents and they're worried sick. And they've already traveled quite a distance back to their home. And they, they hurry back and they find him there. And his response to them was, why are you surprised that I'm in my father's house? That should have been the first place they thought to look. And so what does this all mean? What does this story mean? Of course, it's a beautiful story. It's, it's been represented in art down through the ages. We have countless, these days, you know, uh, Christmas movies, and we just had a wonderful pageant at 4 o'clock today with uh, all of the young children of, the, of our town and, and the village, and, and they uh, acted out the scene in, in such a beautiful way. And that's touching, and it's lovely, and we shouldn't not do that. But what is the point of this scene of them, the Holy Family, being in this strange place, seeking shelter, only to have to give birth under these circumstances? You know, and we have this picture of the crash with the, Mary and Joseph. If we're here, you can see we've got some sheep and a, a donkey and an ox. The ox and the donkey are always uh, there. And the reason for this is not just because animals are cute, which they are, but because in being born in that particular place to a woman and a man in front of these animals, this is God's way of showing us that he sent his son into the world to consecrate his creation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know from the stories of the Old Testament that again and again God tried and tried and tried to call us into covenant with him and again and again and again we failed it. And so finally, when the time was exactly right, and this is the, sort of the theology behind that sort of grand uh, proclamation of Christmas that I sang before the Mass even started, was to point out that it was at the exact precise time in the precise place under the precise circumstances that God sent his son into the world, the word made flesh to become one of us, the creator who became the created because God loved his creation so much that he sent his son into the middle of it, even though he knew very well, full well, what that creation was and is capable of. And so the only way for the salvation of that creation was to send his son, the one who was with him from before time and in all eternity, a part of the triune and 
undividable Godhead, the Word, the Word made flesh. And so in that sending to earth of his Son, and in that consecration of his creation, God sends us the greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of his love. Of course, God always loved his creation, but in this way, he calls us to be in a more active and participating relationship with him. We have a part of the bargain to uphold as well. We don't just tick off a number of boxes and say, okay, I followed that rule, I followed that rule, I followed that rule, I'm good to go. Yes, there are God's commandments, and we should follow them. But what the freedom that we get in, be, in being part of the body of Christ is not a freedom to just do whatever we want or disregard other people. It's a calling to a higher responsibility and a more acute awareness of the world around us and the people around us. Earlier tonight, we had another service. This one was at uh, St. John's Church in Arden, and we sang a hymn there that had a, a stanza which really struck me. And it was a, the song was about the angels singing the message of Jesus' incarnation into the world. And sort of towards the middle of the hymn, we get to a part in which warring man in all the clamor of the world drowns out the sound of the angels. And the angels plead with him, plead with them to stop, stop even just for a minute. Stop and listen once again to the sound of the angels' voices who bring you that good news which shall be to all people, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so like those shepherds and like those wise men, from long ago, we make our own pilgrimage year after year back to the creche, back to, to worship the child Jesus, but not to keep him enshrined in that creche. We take him with us in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions and in our words. And hopefully what that does for us is to show us God's light, to show us the light that we have in ourselves but to be able to also recognize it in other people. You know, humanity has really changed very little over the 2,000 years of a span that we're dealing with here. People like to talk about how today it's so bad. Well, things have, uh, you know, people have been people all along. We have different ways of being people nowadays. We have uh, the internet and we have social media, which I don't think helps. It, it has its good points, but uh, you know what I'm saying. It can amplify, and we can have uh, a lot of manufactured crises, literally manufactured by robots, to get us all stirred up and angry with each other and to lose sight of our common humanity, our uh, common goals as, as people, as a nation, as Christians, whatever you want to, to however you want to frame it. And so... The other gift that Jesus gives us of himself is that gift that he gave at the Last Supper, that until he comes again, we have access to him. Of course, we have access to him at any time in our prayers and in reading the Holy Scriptures. But Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, 
we have access to him in the Holy Communion, in the bread and the wine, in which we believe he's really present with us. So if in the course of the year we forget those tender feelings that we get on Christmas Eve and seeing the baby Jesus in the creche, and if in the course of the year we get distracted by the clamor of warfare, whatever, however, however you want to describe warfare, strife, stress, uh, our careers, family problems, whatever. We have Jesus with us all the time. And so until he comes again, we have that gift. And so let us give thanks on this night and come and worship and go and see this thing which has come to pass in Bethlehem. And like Mary, ponder those things in our heart. And not just as a sentimental uh, Christmas card type of an image, but as something revolutionary. Let us listen for that first cry of the baby Jesus as he was born that broke the silence of that night and that has rung through the ages all along. Let us listen for that cry in our hearts and let us feel that instinct You know, when you hear a baby cry, you have an instinct to go and see what's wrong or to help the baby. And to hear that cry of Jesus, that feeling of love for him that he gives to us, and to see him in ourselves, which we often don't do, and to see him in others, which is sometimes even harder. And to know that he loves us and cares for us and wants nothing more than for us to be in relationship with each other and with him. And this is the gift of Christmas, that love came down, love that saves us from ourselves and from our sins, love that will carry us over into the next life, love that will allow us at last to see him face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.